Philadelphia uh, talked about uh, just fellowship with God. And John just gave some guidelines. Hey, how can we have fellowship with God? So we looked at some principles there from uh, the first part of chapter 1 and then verse, uh, a couple verses into chapter 2 there. Today we're going to be looking at verses 3 through 11. Uh, and it's called Knowing God, Fellowship with God and Knowing God. So uh, one, cu- cu- just a couple things about John. John was one of the disciples of Jesus, right? He was one of the 12. Okay, I can't put up 12 fingers. I'd be weird if I had 12 fingers, right? All right. Um, but he is one of the 12, and he is actually one of the three. So there was three disciples, Peter, James, and John, that were part of an inner circle that were closer uh, with Jesus than it appears than other disciples, all right? They accompanied Jesus up the Mount of Transfiguration, all right? And um, so they, um, there was just, they were part of a closer circle. And then there was John. So John is referred to as the disciple that Jesus loved. And there was a closer relationship with him. Um, John, when he writes First John, he, um, he also wrote the Gospel of John. And you'll see some overlap between those two books. And then he also writes Second and Third John and Revelation. So he is well, well represented in our New Testament. But um, when he writes this, he's probably writing from Ephesus. Okay, so if you were to go to Ephesus today, all you're going to find is ruins. And it's located, anybody know where it's located? What country? Turkey. Turkey. It's located in Turkey. So you can go there and see the ruins, but Ephesus is no longer there. Now, some of the places that Paul went to are still there. Athens, Corinth, Thessalonica. I think they call it more like Thessaloniki now. Um, But some of those towns are still there. All right. Um, But he wrote from Ephesus. And so within that, you have to understand that the, the Greek culture was very prominent there. All right. And so with the Greek culture, came some of the philosophies there. Just think about the philosophers that came out of the Greek culture, Aristotle and others that came out of that culture. And that very much influenced people's worldview there, their thinking, and even people's perception of God. So within that Greek culture and philosophy, there was a belief, a philosophy called Gnosticism. How many have heard of Gnosticism? All right. Okay. So, if you were kind of an advocate of Gnosticism, you believe that the more knowledge you have, so the Greek word for knowledge is gnosis, so that's where you get Gnosticism. The more knowledge you had, whether it's of God or other things, the more spiritual you were. And so the way to know God and to be spiritual was to gather knowledge. And and John is dealing with a little bit of that, that here. So you'll see three times he's going to say, if you claim to know God, um, anyone who claims to know God, whoever says they know God, okay? So that knowing, all right? They, they know about God, but necessarily maybe they don't know God. So we're going to dive into that. So you're going to hear that. And you have to understand that because maybe Gnosticism isn't so prominent in our culture, but it was back then. And that is what John is addressing, but it it still speaks to us very powerfully today. All right, so that is the backdrop of what we are talking about. So let's talk just a little bit about knowing before we read this passage. So I, this this past week, I had the opportunity to meet our general superintendent for the Assemblies of God. I stood right next to him, you know. I even got to talk with him a little bit uh, after one of the sessions, 
uh, followed up after he did spoke on Wednesday morning. So I, I got to talk with him. I know his name. I shook his hand, talked with him about a few things. But probably if you asked him today, hey, did you meet Brent Bromberger? He's going to go, who's he, right? But I could say that I know him, right, in an acquaintance way. That is very much different than I know somebody in my family or my wife, okay? So we, that when we use that term, it can be used at a lot of different levels. So that's what we're going to kind of explore more today, all right? The claim, do we know God? All right, let's bow our heads in prayer, and then we'll, we'll look at this together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is your living word of God that speaks to us this very day, Lord. Um, it is your scripture, your word to us. And Father, we pray that uh, you would speak to our hearts uh, what we need to hear today, Lord, by your Holy Spirit. Uh, we give you the thanks, we give you the praise, and we ask it in your name. Amen. Verse 3, chapter 2 of 1 John. It says, We know we have come to know Him if we keep His commands. Verse 4, Whoever says, I know Him, but does not do what He commands is a liar, and the truth is not um, the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys the word, love for God is truly made complete in them. All right, let's look at this. We, if we have come to know him, I kind of looked at that in a few other translations. And so when you look at other translations, they're, they're taking it from the Greek, right? Or the Hebrew in the Old Testament. And they're they're translating it for us today. So the King James would be a little more outdated English. It's still a very literal translation. Um, and by a lot of aspects, a very accurate. Your newer translations, such as the New Living Translation or NIV. NIV was been around since I was a kid, okay? So, but it would still be more of a contemporary ver- version. You have the Young's Literal Translation, which is very literal, okay? So you have these different translations. So the NIV says, if we have come to know him... Um, English Standard Version says we, and this, and by this we know that we have come to know him. And the New Living Translation says, and we can be sure that we know him if. All right? <laughs> and that kind of captures a little bit of where we're going to go. So what John is trying to address is that many in his context and his audience were claiming to know God. You ever have people that have claimed to know God? And John's saying, hey, if you claim to know God, you can know that you know God if you do what? Keep my commands. If you keep my commands. So to know can be referred to at different degrees. If I can claim I know most of you here today, I think I know most of your first names. I'm just scanning to make sure. Yep. I think I know all of your names, all right? But I know you all at different levels. Some of you are new to Radiant Springs Church, so I know to some degree. Um, Gary and Mary, I I know quite a bit. Jill and Dave, you guys have been here from the very beginning. So, you know, I I know some of you at a lot different level than maybe somebody that's new to Radiant Springs Church. I know my family at a different level, my boys, my, my parents, and then I know my wife at a different level. Those would all be considered knowing, but they're all at different levels. And what John is getting at is, you know what, we can claim to be to know God, but what's really the characteristics is what he's really getting at. 
he's going to give us three different characteristics of what it we can know that if we truly know God. All right? Um, so, the first one is he's talking about if you keep my commands, right? If you keep my commands. So the first principle, if you're taking notes there in your journal or whatever you're taking notes on, all right, piece of paper, we're not supplying those anymore. So um, there is some scrap paper back there if you want it. But we really encourage you to bring a notepad along and then you just keep them there. So, and Rebecca is, she's, yes, yeah, she's going, what's up with that? But yes. Um, so the, if you're taking notes there, knowing God is characterized by obedience. Obedience. What does obedience mean? Obedience means that we hear something and we follow through with it, right? Now, if you've had kids or you all were kids, right? Now, you maybe heard your mom or dad, let's go with that, if you were a kid or you are a kid, all right? You heard your parents say something, right? You heard it. Does that mean you did it? No, right? Sometimes you did, sometimes you didn't, sometimes there was consequences, right? Obedience means you've heard something and you follow through with it. Now, we could do it out of legalism. When I grew up in the church, I sensed there was a lot of legalism. In other words, people were told that you can do this, you can't do this, okay? And a lot of times there wasn't given a lot of explanation why you could do this and why you couldn't do this. Why is this okay and this is not okay, right? Well, this isn't okay because it happens in a bar. You can't do that, right? Play pool, okay? All right, or play cards. Okay, that's, that's the culture I was raised in. Um, so I still think there are some things that are not okay for us to do, but there are things that we, that are, yeah, vice versa, okay? Things that we can do, things that we cannot do. But it, what is our motivation for obedience is what I want to get at. What's your motivation for obedience? Is it because the hammer's going to fall? You're going to get in trouble, right? If that's the case, then we do it because we have to, right? We do it because we have to. And I think a lot of times there's people in the church, they obey because they're afraid that God's going to somehow just take out that whip or that big hammer and whack them, right? Right? What's that game where you hit the heads on the thing? Whack-a-mole. There you go. They think they're whack-a-mole, right? And I don't think that's what God is about. God does not want you to obey because you're afraid you're going to be served with a consequence. I do believe there is a heaven, and I believe there's a hell, and I believe there is consequence for sin, okay? But that shouldn't be the motivation for obedience. Our obedience should become flow out of love, right? It should flow out of love. So I'm going to, my wife gets used for a lot of illustrations, but because I love my wife, there's a few things I do and a few things that I don't do, okay? One of the things that I don't do is I don't tickle her too much, okay? I know what I can get away with, right? I used to get away with a lot more when she, we were dating. <laughs> she tolerated it a lot more. but um, I can tickle her just a little bit, but not too much. Otherwise, I get a, you know, right? Get a shoulder right in the ribs. Um, I help her out with dishes. I help out with chores. I try to use kind words, okay? I, I put in the word try with a smiley face, okay? Uh, I try to be honest to her. I, I do those things not because... I have to, but I want to because I value the relationship. Is that making sense? And I believe that's the motivation that we should have in our obedience with God, that if we claim to know God, we obey His commands, not because of legalism, or okay, that's what the church says, that's what the Bible says, but 
if our heart's not in it, if that relationship isn't there, if we don't value our relationship with God, we're going to do it out of because we have to, not because we want to. And then what that leads to is I, I do things when people are watching, but when nobody's watching, I do whatever I want to do. But you know, God's always watching, okay? He's always watching. If we want to walk in holiness, if we want to walk in a way where we know God and walk in relationship with Him, it has to be out of love. Because when it's out of love, no matter what happens or takes place, we're going to do what honors Him and what glorifies Him, and we're going to obey out of that premise. You tracking with me? I'm not always saying that as easier than, um, you know, always easy. But we have to fall in love with God. We have to be totally sold out to Him. If we try to walk that line where I want to be spiritual, but yet I still want to love the world, that's coming up here in John. You're going to be miserable, folks. You're gonna, I'm serious. You're going to be miserable because you're going to be trying to do the right thing, but your heart's not in it. You're going to be miserable. See, John understood that. John had a relationship with Christ. He was more than just his Lord and Savior. He was a friend to John that he laughed with, he did ministry with, he was a friend, he fished with. And that is what God wants to have with us. He, he needs to be more than our Savior. He needs to be more than that, the big guy up in the sky. He has to be that one that is walking with us each and every moment of our life included in that. And when He is the love of our life, then to obey His commandments become natural because we value the relationship. All right? Theo, I hope I'm doing okay. He's, he, I, he's, uh, I kind of jump all over the place. He's learning that real fast. So, All right. Number two, verse six. This is how we know we are in him. So this is kind of whoever says, verse 4, verse 6, whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Some even translations, they even say walk as Jesus did, you know. Okay, now that's going to be hard to do because I don't know if Jesus walked like this, uh, you know. I, I don't know how he walked. I, I saw a guy at a restaurant the other day, and he just, boy, he had that really swag going. I don't know. He was a construction guy, man. He just was, Yeah. <laughs> like that. You want me to do that again, don't you? All right. We don't know how Jesus walked. But the point is, I don't have to walk just like Jesus walked. What it means is that we value, that we have the same values, the behaviors, the thoughts that Jesus did. That's what it means to walk and live as Jesus did. But in order to do that, we have to live in Him. That's what the NIV says. The English Standard Version says we have to abide in Him. And abide is a very rich word in the Greek language. It means to remain. It means to, I'm going to get back up here, remain, stay, reside, to be with, to live with. Abide in Him. So Christy read that passage in John 15. And Jesus said, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit, Theo, so you're, John 15, 5. Jesus says, I am the vine, Who's the branches? We are the branches. If you remain, there's that word again. If you remain in me and I remain in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Abide. Abide. There again, there's that relational peace that to know God means that we're actually going to hang out and abide with God. 
And often what I find out is, you know, how do we do that? We do that in prayer. We do that spending time in God's Word. Even when we, did you know you can pray while you're driving down the road? You can pray while you're at work, right? You know, you don't have to be praying out loud, but you can be praying in your mind. Maybe God's going to drop it. Hey, I need to pray for that person. They're really going through a tough time. Or maybe even the Spirit of God says, hey, you need to pray for that person. You may not know why, but God says, hey, you need to pray for that person. And so you pray for them. All right? Abide. You can abide with God. I don't care where you're going. Even when you're laying your head on the bed at pillow at, on your pillow at night, you can pray and you can abide with Him. Knowing God is characterized by abiding in Christ. Abiding in Him. So on Monday, I was on my way to Omaha, and I had this planned out. For two weeks now, I've been wanting to go up to a place near Omaha. How many have driven down I-80 in between Gretna and the Platte River, there's this glass house up on the bluff. Anybody know what that is? Yeah, it's a, it's a Catholic shrine. It's, a Catholic, it's called Holy Family Shrine. It's called actually a roadside shrine. All right. And so when I was doing a class back of, uh, a couple years ago for uh, one of my classes on spiritual formation, I had to do some spiritual retreats. I had to have a class to get me to go do a little spiritual retreat. Isn't that terrible? But I went up there. It's a beautiful place. It's a beautiful place. It has a little stream running down through the middle of it. And you go there. Usually you're by yourself or maybe you have a few people there. Um, but I'd been wanting to do it for a few weeks. But with Easter, it was just kind of crazy. And, you know, I thought, you know what? I'm going to be going right by there. So I took off. I planned. I allowed time so I could go up there. Opens up at 10. I got up there. And I just spent an hour, did my devotions, and just took some prayer time and spent alone with God. I mean, you look straight out through the glass and you see the Platte River bottom. I mean, it's just beautiful. But the ironic thing is then you look kind of straight down, and what do you see? You see I-80. You know, cars just going back and forth. The busyness. And you see people coming and going, and that's what our life looks so much like. It looks like, right? Just that coming and going. And then you look out there, and it's all quiet and peaceful. You know, and I, I like the idea of the roadside shrine that sometimes God just needs to call us aside, to step aside and spend time with Him. And it says in Scripture that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and He prayed. Was He busy? Yeah, He was. Many times there was crowds, there were people wanting His attention, but He still found time to get away and be with the Father. And He was the Son of God. And if He had to do that, I mean there's a pretty good chance that we absolutely need to do that. If we want to know what God is calling us to do, if we need strength, encouragement, uh, direction in our life, we need to do that. Um, anyway, take those times to abide with Him. Be intentional about it. I have to be intentional about it. I have to set aside a time where I'm going to meet with God. Okay, But it's not like I, I do it because... I have to, I do it because I want to, okay? If you do it because you have to, then you're probably missing the point. Although, like going to the gym, how many like going to the gym? You really, you like going to the gym? Okay, you like going to the gym. Even when you go there right away? Or is it more after you get there and it's kind of like the blood gets flown, then you're just kind of like, ah, I'm glad I went. Both? All right, okay, man. She likes to go. I, there are days I like to go to the gym. If it's 6 o'clock in the morning, I don't like to go to the gym, all right? <laughs> My body's still waking up. But usually whenever I go, when I'm done, it's kind of like I'm glad I did. And I feel it for, 
the rest of the day. All right? So sometimes we have to be intentional about things. But as we abide with Christ, something happens. What happens when you abide with people when you're with people for a long time? What happens to married couples after they've been married 20, 30, 40, 50 years? They look alike, they dress alike, they talk alike, they do things. Yeah. That's what happens. You know, Pastor Andy, he, he, uh, he's not my son, but in some ways he's a spiritual son to me. He lived with us for almost a year when he came out here. Um, what, I, what I do get a kick out of is that he uses some of the same terminology I, I do. Now, I, I'll say all right a lot, okay? So if you want to pick on me and my speech styles and whatever, communication, I say all right a lot. I do. I, I just do. But wha- what's interesting is he'll say that a lot now, too, and he never used to say that. Where did he learn it from? He learned it from me because, w- you know, he was with us, right? And we spend time weekly. We meet together. Uh, we, we brainstorm together and things like that. You become like the people you are with. Now, apply that to John. John loved to hang out with Jesus and spend time with him. You know what? If you enjoy spending time with Jesus in prayer and his word, guess what? Without even trying, your life is going to look more like Jesus every day, every minute you spend with him. If you just try to, you read scripture and say, you know what? I need to do this. I need to do that because that's what scripture says. And you do it on your own willpower, more power to you. I think you can, but that, see, that's what the religious leaders did. They had this external spirituality, but they had, inside, they were dead, right? It said it was like a sepulcher in there, like a grave inside, a tomb. Because they, they were trying to be spiritual on the outside, but they had no love for God on the inside. It was external. And John understood the relationship of walking with Jesus. And he says, you know what? If you abide in him, you're going to walk like him. You're going to look like him. You're going to resemble who Jesus is. You're going to talk like he talked. You're going to have think thoughts like Jesus thinks. Okay? And I'm not quite there because, my, you know, I still have thoughts that don't glorify him. I don't know if you ever have those, but I do. All right? I even sometimes say words that are nice. It's kind of like, where did that come from? Right? We're going to act like he did. Even though we haven't seen him in person, we're going to get to know him in that way. Amen? Praise God. Number three, verses 7 through 11. It says, Dear friends, and I'm not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard, yet I'm writing a new command. It's true. Its truth is seen in him and in you because the darkness is passing and true light is already shining. So again, he's using that light and darkness, those metaphors. Verse 9, if anyone claims, so there's that another, that kind of that catch word there. So claims to know God. If anyone claims to be in the light but hates a brother or a sister, is still in darkness. Anyone who loves his brother and sister lives in the light, and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates his brother and sister is in darkness and walks around in darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. Now he begins that in verse 7 by saying, Dear friends. It's a really a dear word. It's, uh, some translations maybe even use beloved. All right? 
It means you are those loved by God. Isn't that cool? That you can be considered a friend of God and loved by God. He's saying, dear friends, do this. And, and so now he's applying this truth. If we, if, if we claim that we know God, our life is going to be characterized by obedience, abiding in Christ. There's a third thing. I'll give it to you now. Love for God's family. So he uses this term brothers and sisters, and you hear that sometimes in the church, but it's referring to believers within the body of Christ, those that claim to be Christian, that you have a love for one another. And it's interesting, you read through the New Testament, Paul, Peter, and John extensively talk about loving your brother and sister in Christ. Now they do talk about loving the world, but I can guarantee you, I bet 90% of the time they talk about love, it's about loving their brother and sister in Christ. Isn't that interesting? I better get back to my notes here. Loving our brother and sister in Christ, you wouldn't think that was very hard. But here's the thing. Every family I've known has siblings, and they fight to some degree. How many, that describes your family, right? Our, we had three boys. They fought. A lot of times it was playful fighting, right? They, you know, sometimes he had a black eye or bloody nose or something like that. Um, Daniel and Mark playing basketball, you know, sometimes they would have a bloody nose or something like that. They are, uh, but here's the deal. As their love has matured and as they've moved into adulthood, what's been cool to watch is just to see their love for one another, that when we get together, there's that camaraderie. They love being together. They love doing things together. Their love has matured, right? There's a love there. Now, they have different interests. They have different personalities. They have different avenues that they're going into to, for work. But there's a love for one another. You know, as we look out across this congregation, then we even look outside these church walls to the, the church as a whole. Guess what? There's a lot of different personalities. There's even a different denominations. But we all claim to know Christ, right? John says if we claim to know God, there has to be a love for God's family. There has to be a love for God's family. Now, if they believe in God and, and know Him as their Lord and their Savior, um, there has to be some love that we extend to each other. Maybe they drive you nuts. Maybe they do things weird or quirky. But our love for one another has to be strong because if God's preparing us for heaven, folks, because you get to heaven, we're all going to be there, right? He's preparing you. You have to be ready. You have to love one another. Um, and, I, you know, I've pastored long enough Pastored long enough to know that not every um, believers don't always get along. And that breaks the heart of God. Because then it's John is saying we're walking in darkness and not in light. One of the things in my doctoral studies at Regent that I really appreciated was rubbing shoulders with other ministers and professors from different denominations. All right? Um, I, I was in class with Methodists, Baptists, uh, Lutheran. Um, I think charismatic, all, all, all different types, Episcopal. I had one of professors that was Episcopal. Um, 
and, and I found out they had a, a love for God like I did, and even just uh, a value for the working of the Holy Spirit in their life. And that was just cool. Because sometimes we get stuck in our own denomination, our own fellowship, and we realize, you know what, there's, there's all the incredible believers out there. In fact, when my first pastored, I found one of those people. Um, I was on the ministerial, and I actually was a chairman of the ministerial there for many years in that small c- rural community in North Dakota. And I thought, you know, it'd be a great idea to get a Christian radio station going. It was kind of like K-Love or, or MyBridge Radio where they put the satellite translator in your location. They take it and beam it out there in that area. So I thought that'd be pretty cool, pursued it. Most of the ministerial was in favor of it, but there was one minister. Okay, He was a Catholic brother, but he, 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 he opposed me on it. Man, he just, nothing to do with it. It's kind of like, okay, so we just let it drop. Well, then another Catholic priest came in. His name was Father Byrne Smith. And he hadn't been there very long. He goes, he goes, I heard you were trying to get a radio station going. I said, yeah. He goes, well, he goes, I think I know the, I have the, I have the guy that can get it done for you. I thought, oh, cool. And so within months, we, we got the paperwork done. They had a building. They, they took care of everything, the finances and everything. I think if you still go up to Harvey, North Dakota, there's still a radio station that's broadcasted there because of that. Um, and he worked with me on that. And, and then it came around to Easter time. And, and so he goes, he goes, we're not allowed to have ministers from other denominations be on the platform and help out. But we can on Good Friday service. That, that's one of the, you, we can, you can help out. So he invited me to be part of his Good Friday service. And, you know, that's kind of like, this is all new to me. But I went, I participated. He even gave me a, a plaque. Kind of a, it's called, they call it an icon. It's, you know, if you go into Catholic Church, they have those icons. And he gave me one of those. And you know what? I found that he was a very dear blo- brother. And there was just a genuine love for God there that he had. You know, and so we became good friends. He is with the Lord now. But um, his relationship was one that um, I just saw, you know what? There was a brother and sister in Christ outside my denominational. Uh, walls that was great to hang out with. And then in my um, class that I had with my doctoral studies out at Regent, this was actually in the Blue Ridge Mountains. It's beautiful this time of year. I'm just saying it is beautiful because that's when I was out there in April. The dogwoods are blooming and it's up kind of just on the edge of the mountains. Um, but one of, our prof- one of my professors, actually two professors taught that class. Her name was Dr. Crabtree. She was older. She was getting close to retirement age. And um, as we were there that week, I, I, I came to, we all came to find out that her husband had passed away within the year. And um, she loved that spot up there. It's called Shrine Mont. It's by Orkney Springs, if you want to Google it or whatever. But um, she loved that spot so much. She'd been doing this class year and after year, I think for 15 to 20 years. Her and this other professor had done this class. But she loved that place up there so much. There's an Episcopal Bible camp up there, retreat center, and that's where they would have it. She loved it so much that that's where they, there's a little church there, and so they're with a cemetery there, and so that's where they purchased their great, their uh, place where they wanted to be buried. And so when we were there that week, the, gra- the headstone had arrived for the grave. And she goes, you know, um, we got time this afternoon. She goes, I'm, I'm going to do a ceremony. Would you guys, it was just a small class of nine people. 
she goes, would you mind help? You're welcome to come. You don't have to, but if you want to come and we can have just, just a little ceremony and read some scripture and stuff. And, you know, a few of the classmates were chaplains and one happened to be, uh, have a trumpet. And he knew how to play the trumpet and he happened to bring it along. All right. And so um, her husband had been in the military and so we went there, we did this little graveside service there. Um, uh, Robert was his name, played taps. And I think maybe I read scripture and we prayed. And uh, she involved us in this uh, ceremony for her husband. She kind of led us into that, you know, um, and her relationship with him. But she came from an Episcopal background, touched by the charismatic movement, um, I, there's things I learned from her about communion that have, will probably impact me for the rest of my life. Just their understanding how they approach it. And um, it just really impacted me. Um, what am I saying? I'm saying that there's people out there, brothers and sisters in Christ, even outside our denomination, outside our church walls, develop a love for them. Reconciliation is one of our values. It can be lived out in a lot of different ways. It can be with our world. It can be with God, our vertical relationship with God, but it also can be with our horizontal relationship with other believers in Christ. And that is so important, folks, that we have love for one another. You don't have to be, you know, you have to have that love and respect. You have to forgive, right? And I'm not... Speaking this, this is part of our series. All I know is that sometimes things creep up. And I sometimes as a pastor, I'm the last one to find out. All right? But if God is even speaking to any of you right now, whether it's family, whether it's somebody here, whether it's somebody outside these church walls, then maybe that love has been tested. And, and maybe you've kind of written that person off because maybe they did something that, har- that hurt you. Here's just a little bulletin. You're, you're going to get offended if you're in the church. I don't care what church. I don't care where. You're going to get offended. And God's provided a way for that. He was offended by our sin, so he provided reconciliation for us through the cross. And forgiveness is the way that we, we do that. If you're married, guess what? <laughs> you're going to have fights. You're going to offend each other. You're going to say things you shouldn't say, unfortunately, right? The way through that is you forgive, you reconcile, you ask God to come in and heal that, right? Um, that's what we need to do in God's family. It, don't make it bigger than what it is, you know? If you mess up, go to that person and say, I messed up. I had to do that a couple weeks ago, not to somebody in the church, but somebody in the community. I messed up. I said, you know, I wasn't very, I, that was just rude to what I said, you know? I went and talked with them. I said, hey, I'm sorry. She forgave me, I think. Um, extend forgiveness. And sometimes people don't want to forgive you. So you go and forgive and say, hey, you know, if I offended you, forgive me for doing that. Or if I offended you, I, please forgive me. You extend the forgiveness. What they do with it is up to you, but it sets you free, right? Because God wants us to walk in the light. He doesn't want us to walk in hatred. He doesn't walk, want us to walk in bitterness. And in some situations, that is much more difficult, especially when it involves parents and involves um, things that you've grown up with. I, there's some deep stuff, folks. And just because you come to Jesus doesn't make it always okay. Sometimes we need counseling. Sometimes we need help to work through that.
Well, all I can say is that God is able to heal. Amen? The characteristics of knowing God, obedience, abiding in Him, and love for His family. Amen? Hmm. I have the musicians come. I'm going to close with that uh, chorus, Build My Life. Build My Life. You know, John isn't calling us in what we've read. He's not calling us to be looking around and saying, uh, mm-hmm. they're not walking in obedience. Uh-huh. They're not abiding in Christ. I know it. Or they don't have love for the family of God. He's not asking us to look around. He's asking us to look where? In our own heart. Tackle that first. That's going to take you the rest of your life. Right? There's enough there for each of us. Look inside. That's what he's saying. Look in your own heart. If we claim to know God... There should be an obedience that is fueled by our love for Him because we love Him. There should be a desire to spend time with Him, not because we have to, but because we want to. We want to draw close. We want to be with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we have an audience with Him. We, we want to have love for God's family because they've been redeemed. They, we have that thing in common where they know Christ as their Lord and their Savior. They've been redeemed. They have the hope of heaven just like we do. And so I want to have a love for my brothers and sisters in Christ. And one day we're going to rejoice in heaven. We're going to be together. I don't know what they're going to do for a song service. That's going to be, that's God's problem. I don't know if we're going to do hymns. We're going to do courses, chants. I don't know, right? That's God's problem. But we're going to be with him in eternity. So, Father, this morning, I pray for each one here. Father, if we don't know you as our Lord and our Savior, you have said that last week we just covered First John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord God, if we open up the door of our hearts saying, God, come in, you come in and you will dwell with us. We can have the hope of heaven and our valuable relationship with you, with the King of kings and Lord of lords. And Lord God, just as we uh, wrap things up here, Lord God, I pray that we can each look within our own heart. John's saying, you know what, if we know, claim to know God, there should be some fruit there. There should be some characteristics of obedience, of abiding in you, and love for your family. That's how we know if we know him because that's who Jesus is. That's who God is. And we're called to be like you. So Father, this morning, I pray your Holy Spirit comes and you speak to each and every one of us. Lord, if there's things that are out of line, if things that there needs to be a change, and Father, you're able to help us. You're able to come into our heart and our life and guide and direct us. Allow the light in, Lord God, Allow the light into our soul. Oh God, expose the things that need to be exposed and let the light of Christ come in so that we can be more like you, Lord. Remove any deception. Remove any darkness, oh God. And let your spirit come in.
but our heart. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand this morning? And they're going to lead us in that course, Build My Life. church is so wonderful, Lord God, that you gave your son to die on the cross for us. Lord, you see something in the church that is beautiful that you pursued with an everlasting love. Lord, help us to understand and to even see that picture of the church as well. Sometimes I can get fuzzy. Lord God, give us love for your people. Give us a love for you above all. Father, go with us this week when we walk in your blessing. May we walk in your goodness and guidance and in your light, Lord. Let us walk in the light. We give you the thanks and praise. We ask it in the precious name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Good to have you here today. Greet each other as you leave. If you see a new face, um, introduce yourself. God bless.